All right, well, welcome to another episode of The Bible Guys. Uh, I'm Rick Klein. I'm here as always with Jerry Hollinger. Jerry, it's good to have you here today. How you doing? Doing great. Good to see you, man. All right, man. Um, so before we came on air, you were wanting to criticize something, and uh, I felt like our listeners need to hear this. So you want to jump yeah, in? you have on the uh, Mr. Rogers sweater. I do. Yeah, I today. do. We're, we're filming this, and we're just releasing the audio, but Jerry and I are able to, to see each other. Um, I'm, you know, dressed a little nicer. Uh, I'm not sitting in a, you know, dirty t-shirt in a dark room. I'm, uh, I'm wearing <laughs> like a nice, wearing a nice sweater. Uh, it is my Mr. Rogers sweater. Um, it's very comfy. I think this is the equivalent of wearing a couch all day. I've been comfy all day in this and man, I'm 44. I should, if I want to dress like an old man, I have that right. And, um, it's okay. Yeah, uh, I last, agree. And yeah, speaking of dark rooms, I haven't been outside all day today. Not really. Even, yeah. I mean, it's, it's what going on four 30 and yeah, I don't even know what it's like out. And that's not healthy. We got to get you, get some vitamin D or something. Yes. I'm becoming, my skin's becoming paler and paler. Okay. I need to well, get outside. Right. We, so luckily our logo fits. I mean, you're, you're still as pacey as you were on the logo. <laughs> <laughs> Can't change yes. that. Very accurate. All right. Well, we want to get started with today. Um, the passage uh, that was sent in by a listener um, is in Matthew chapter 24. It's in what is commonly called the Olivet Discourse. And so if you guys are listening, uh, you want to go and turn there. We're Matthew 24. We're going to be specifically looking at verses 32 through 35 in Matthew 24. It's the, what I'm going to call the this generation passage. Um, let me read it. And I'm going to read out the CSB and um, let's just listen to it in that. He says, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as, it as soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, and referring to the things he's mentioned earlier in this passage, recognize that he is near at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, the reason why... Um, this question is important is I think our listeners know, Jerry, you and I are, when it comes to Matthew 24 and 25 and, and revelation, we're futurists. We see this as um, future fulfillment, but this is commonly used as the um, left hook or gotcha passage to, to fight against that view on futurism. And so the question is, maybe it was sent to us as a gotcha. Maybe one of our listeners was going to try to trip us up. And that's cool, too, as long as you long as you are listening and learning. Um, is this really a gotcha passage for the futurist approach? Well, that's interesting because that's how it has always been presented to me. Whenever I'm teaching a class on eschatology or, you know, corresponding with someone about eschatology, this is always like the Achilles heel as if I either wasn't aware that this um, first existed or, you know, just didn't know how to handle it. So you're right. And, and, and that kind of moves me back to something you said a moment ago that this verse occurs in the Olivet discourse. And the reason we call it the Olivet discourse is because Christ was on Olivet when he, spoke these words to the apostles. And um, the Olivet Discourse, one of the most crucial um, passages in the New Testament as far as Jesus is concerned, and it's found in all three synoptics. And 
the verse you read, Rick, of course, occurs in Matthew's account. And I think it might be helpful to people before we hit this verse to point out generally what the approaches have been to the Olivet Discourse as a whole. You mentioned the futurist viewpoint, and, and that essentially says that everything in the discourse, and I'm speaking generally here, everything in the discourse has a future fulfillment uh, beginning with the tribulation period and going up to the second coming. And then a second viewpoint is the preterist viewpoint, which essentially sees most of the content in the discourse occurring at the um, 80-70 destruction of Jerusalem. And then there's the historic viewpoint. In the literature, it's called historic. Sometimes I call it the present uh, view. It's basically saying the, the events of the Olivet Discourse are taking place throughout history and even taking place today. So, as you said, you and I hold a futurist viewpoint, and yet the phrase of this generation is used by Jesus seems to imply that this is something that is taking place in the lifetime of the apostles. Right. And that preterist viewpoint is is really the most is the prevalent one when you used to talk about this. Uh-huh, um, I've heard exactly. I've heard people talk about the different um the different approaches to both this revelation and other books is you have the the preterist sees it as a newspaper. These are current events that are happening um in their time. Right. Uh, the the historicist is is more like a um you know it's 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 like these it, it it's more of a fantasy kind of not fantasy but more of a um, these are happening over time. The um, then there's what's called it's kind of like the historicist approach, but this the idealist approach. This the idea that these things are about the unfolding of evil versus good all through human history. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like a play that's being seen. And then find the futurist as doesn't really have a good um, metaphor. Um, so I kind of adapt and I hate it, but I used it. The crystal ball, it's coming in the future. We're looking mm-hmm. and seeing this stuff. And so, yeah, the the one that really this one seems to indicate at when you first look at it is that preterist view. Yeah. And if, if I could just add to on the preterist and the historic view, man, I just see too much in the Olivet Discourse that you simply can't have fulfilled in AD 70. And if you try to put everything in that event, you know, you just have to spiritualize away the text, in my opinion. And the um, historist viewpoint, I also call the newspaper mm-hmm. <laughs> approach, where they're trying to find fulfillment of all these statements Jesus makes in the headlines, which I abhor yeah. and is horribly dangerous. Yeah. It's been going on ever since you know, the beginning of, of church history and continues to happen today. And, you know, when will we wake up and realize this, this isn't right because it's, you know, it's been wrong over and over and over. So um, I, I definitely am very, very comfortable with the futurist viewpoint for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but as you said, how you interpret this generation really affects your, your view of the whole discourse. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that I think one of the dangers of um, a historicist approach um, is that idea that 
I mean, whenever we see something horrible, especially here in the Christian culture, if, if we see anything in our history that's going on right now and our, and it goes against, or maybe it's an adverse condition or whatever, we immediately kind of think, oh, well, you know, persecution. Well, uh, no, um, not, not at all. Um, so for example, in our current culture, I'm hearing the statement made by Christians all the time that about the church being persecuted. Uh, I, I don't believe in the kingdom um, that, that I'm really going to bring up um, the fact that over quarantine that I had to wear a mask and, and, <laughs> and look at my brothers who never had a copy of scripture and were, and were right. killed going to church. Yeah. Like I'm on that team. I'm no, nowhere near, like if, if that's a varsity level persecution, I'm on a middle school level where my jersey doesn't match my shorts kind of thing. Uh, it, it doesn't even, totally agree. not even the same. And, and for people to say that, honestly, it's, you don't have an understanding of human, of, of history. You just, it's, it's very yep. solipsistic. You're seeing everything right now as the culmination of everything. Yep. It's, it's pretty ignorant to think that and not to be an ugly person on it. I do believe there is suffering happening, but I don't think persecution, as I'm saying it in the Western world, specifically in the United States, I, I don't think that whatever I'm seeing here is not persecution. I don't need to be looking for personally, um, you know, a fulfillment of revelation. I'm not looking for four seals being opened here, the horsemen. Oh, no, I'm not. It's, it's, this is just life in a fallen world. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I keep trying to keep that. Otherwise, I'm going to be. Um, I believe it was you coined the term because in one of your classes for prophetic books, you said when d- interpreting prophetic literature, beware of prophetic nuts. And and yes. that is and that is something I have I've seen and you just got to avoid that stuff. Well, in, you know, I mean, if there's such a thing as righteous anger, I'm not sure if there is or not, but this would let's be say a there place is. for it. Let's say there is. Right it makes Christianity look ludicrous. Yeah. Because... As I said, this has been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries. And, you know, the pagan looks at the church and it's like, wow, you're wrong on all this stuff constantly. Yeah. You know, how can I trust you when you talk about the gospel or something? Yeah. So I or, think this speculation does incredible harm. Yeah. You know, not, not factoring in the sovereignty of God, but it does incredible harm to the cause yeah. of Christ. Or just a, the world seeing a Christian freaking out, a, a Christian True. who believes in the sovereignty of God, but I'm freaking out because I'm not sure what's going to happen. Man, you just you rest in God's control over all things, and you know what, like, like what Paul says, whatever happens, you know, it's good for me to go to be with the Lord. Or it's good for me to stay here. What and whatever happens, the gospel is going to be preached. It's going to be okay. Um, yeah. So let's get into this passage a bit. So what are the views? So as we look at this, there are some views of this that aren't primarily, they're not preterists, they're not historicists. They're, of the views that we've talked about in here, what are some other ways we could see this passage? You mean as far as compatible with the, the uh, futurist view? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, one, and I think I'm going to I believe this is your view. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe I'll let you articulate this one that sure. the word generation refers to uh, the Jewish race. Yeah. I didn't want to play my hand already and, and, I'm so and swear, sorry. And swear I, our listeners, I, I man, because, it, I, because you know, everybody's like, oh, well, whatever Rick says, I'm with it. I, I just, they don't even listen to you. Um, I'm just looking at my list here. And that was the one my eyes fell on. My, yeah, well, my apologies. 
please. No, no, you're good. I'm just giving hard up. There's these, uh, there's different views. And um, in the ones I've studied and once I, and I've looked at this, um, I, I see that phrase, the generations, Greek word, gene, um, and it could mean um, race or kind or nation. Um, we get that it's the same word. And I don't want to be guilty of what D.A. Carson would say is trying to interpret a, a, few, a, a current definition on an old word. But we do mm-hmm. get that um, where we talk about um, in the uh, order, I think I, I, I'm going to butcher it because I'm not a scientist, but the kingdom phylum class order genus species, that word there is genus there. It's it kind of, it's, it's a root of that. And um, it's the idea of, of kind or nation. So this could be interpreted as I, I, I tell you this nation will not mm-hmm. pass away. Now that nation is being, is Israel because of the context of Matthew itself. Right. Matthew is the Jewish gospel. It's Matthew's trying to show his Jewish Christian audience that Jesus is the Messiah, that they have not believed in vain and to convince Jewish listeners that Christ is the Messiah. So I littered throughout Matthew are old Testament prophecies. Mm-hmm. And in the context of Matthew 24 and 25, the Olivet Discourse, he is talking about what's going to happen to the nation of Israel. Um, he's talked mm-hmm. about the temple being destroyed. We t- he talks about uh, the various signs of the times, those kinds of things. They are Jewish pointers, or they're pointing to situations happening in, in Israel. So I land right now, and I, I say it very specifically, that that's how I read that. That's how I understand that word. Um, there are other views out there, but that's where I'm at right now. Another option that's compatible with the futurist viewpoint is to say that uh, the phrase this generation should be governed by the phrase all these things. The point being that when the things about which Jesus speaks in the discourse um, begin to take place, that would be relative to the generation alive at that time. And that generation would be the one who would experience the things of the discourse. Mm-hmm. If that's true, then the Jewish nation alive during the tribulation period, that would be the group to which Jesus is referring here. Um, so that's been held by, by some futurists also. Um, another and possibility. Yeah. Real quick before moving on to that one, that, that view actually is, um, I'm very friendly with that view. I like to say that phrase. I'm holding the first one, but I'm friendly with that one um, because verse 30, you know, verse 30 says, if you look up earlier in the passage, he says, then the sign of the son of man will appear in the sky and all the peoples of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's the thing um, yeah. that they're seeing. And so it, it, it makes sense. So it's like the idea that um, this generation, like you said, refers to the generation that sees the signs of the end. And they also see the end itself, I mean, meaning right. that they'll see the signs of the end and the end. And, you know, kind of in other words, once that movement, once Christ returns, it's going to be so quickly that, mm-hmm. that they will see these things. Mm-hmm. And there are some heavyweight commentators that hold that, yeah. hold that position. Another view that I ran across years ago, I mean, like five, 10 years ago, something like that, is... Some have studied, you know, this phrase, this generation, and they have noted that it can be a technical phrase for an evil class of people. If that is the case, then what Jesus is saying is that there will always be opposition to the message of the kingdom 
um, which again is strewn throughout Matthew and it's the events of the Olivet Discourse that will lead up to the establishment of the kingdom. And so Jesus will simply be saying to the apostles, look, there's always going to be opposition, much like he said in the kingdom parables in chapter 13. So I think that's an option as well. Um, so I, I think one of the, the takeaway points, and I'm going to steal this from you too, Rick, okay. is that even though this verse is often used against the futurist position, there are multiple views of the phrase held by futurists and by non-futurists. So really, I would say the preponderance of possibilities actually is as or more compatible with the futurist position than it is with the preterist position which I would still say is in the minority when all the views are looked at. Yeah, I agree. And one thing I would have to add to this is sometimes the futurist view, those who hold the futurist view get a bad rap. The idea that, and, and, and I think it's a straw man argument, the idea that, oh, you're seeing all this to happen in the future. So you're really not too concerned with what's happening right now. No, I'm very concerned with what's happening right now. Um, yeah. I would say that if a person is holding to futurist views and they just kind of, hold to the, well, let the current world burn mindset, there's deeper issues there. Um, I think as a believer in Christ, I, I should care about what's happening in our world today. I should exactly do what I'm commanding scripture to be an embassy as, a, as the church. We are an embassy of the coming kingdom. So we look to for ways to help and serve and, and get involved with, um, I would even say social justice, caring for people, caring for the widows, the orphans, and those who are um, you know, cannot help themselves and do not have a voice. Absolutely. The, so the misnomer is that futurists don't care about what's happening right now. I think that is a straw man argument. It is based on the fact that there are some who don't care. Um, however, when I compare, when I look at the rest of the text, I'm not futurist only. Let me use that word. You know, it's like, I'm not only just thinking about the future right now, as I'm, as I say scripture, I know my job as a part of the church is to be, continue to be um, the, a light in this world. Uh, you know, the idea of what we see from Paul telling the Philippians that we are lights in a crooked and perverse generation. Um, so I think that is a misnomer the futurists get a bad rap for, that we don't care about what's happening right now. Um, we actually very much do. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when you look at really a majority of the prophetic texts in the New Testament, they're not given for us to speculate about when things are going to happen or are they happening now, but they're always conjoined with very forceful rhetoric from the apostles. You need to be living a certain way and you need to be doing certain things. So if we take the latter position you've talked about, we're simply, um, you know, misusing uh, prophetic literature in the Bible. That's not its intent at all. You know, another thought came to my mind as you were talking is that it, it is also quite common in the, in the, when you look at prophecy in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's very common for there to be um, near fulfillments and far fulfillments of prophetic texts. So just because we take a futurist viewpoint of the Olivet Discourse, that doesn't mean 
there can't be something in the discourse about the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. In fact, Luke will touch on that in, the, in his version of the Olivet Discourse. All we're saying is that that would be a trailer ultimately uh, for the fulfillment of these things uh, right before Christ returns to establish the kingdom. Right. So let me ask this question um, before we head out. Is there anything in this text um, with the passage we just looked at with the, the idea of this generation that um, a person could come away from looking at this and say, well, Jesus is talking specifically about right then and there. Is it, is it, is the pre- does the prayer's view or does the historicist view hold really any, any weight in the bigger context of the Olivet Discourse? I don't think that it does, because when you go back to the beginning of the discourse, <clears throat> the apostles ask two questions. It looks like three questions in the English text, but the, the way it's constructed, it's really two questions. And really, they're tying together the Zechariah's uh, temple destruction prophecy with then the conclusion of the age and the dawning of the Messianic age. So it's my opinion that the entire discourse is eschatological in nature and that we shouldn't be looking at it as something that is taking place today, uh, just my opinion. And I think that's a consistent futurism. Yeah. Well, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And again, we, we may disagree. You never did say which one that you land on, which is your view where you're at right now. You, you made me show my hand. So I'm calling, I'm calling <laughs> what's yours. Well, you know, your view has validity. Um, I, I really couldn't say if you held a gun to my head, I would choose one of these. Uh, I think several of them make sense. I think linking this generation with all these things makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I see evidence that a generation can refer to an evil class of people. So, um, so I kind of hold one of those tentatively with the stress that they're all compatible with the overall futuristic picture. I think that's the spirit in which the question was submitted. It's like, is this really a futurist passage or is this something that is more, does it, is this the Achilles heel of futurism or, or is it not? And I think we've said it it doesn't, it isn't really that it is very compatible. All the interpretations we looked at today are very compatible with the futurist view. All right. Well, that's been another episode of the Bible guys podcast. Always please feel free to email us your questions. We love those. Your emails make up our seasons. These are not just things that me and Jerry like to talk about. We're listening to you. So you can email us at Bible guys podcast at gmail.com. You could also put these questions on our Instagram, follow us on Instagram at Bible guys pod and on Twitter with the same username at Bible guys pod. Also, feel free, please like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening stations. 